25 games to go. Are the Knicks set as currently constructed to finish the top six in the Eastern Conference? Or do they need a big man with Mitchell Robinson down? We break down their last week of games, and we'll look ahead to the upcoming slate as well. We'll be joined by a lethal shooter from the 90s and 2000s at the Garden, two-time All-Star Nick Great, Allen Houston. All that and more coming up next on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. You'll also hear from our producer, Jake, as well throughout the course of the show. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcasts. But please, rate us five stars, write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It helps, and we appreciate the continued support. Knicks legend Alan Houston going to join us a little bit later on in the show for just a tremendous interview. He was great to talk to, a lot of fun. You don't want to miss that. Gave some great insight as well. JYD, here we are as we approach the end of March now. The Knicks currently at 24-23, and fifth in the Eastern Conference, coming off a, a rough loss to Miami. Man, I hate those heat. We'll get into that in a second, but first let's recap the inactivity at the trade deadline. We've talked about this all podcast long this year, leading up to, you know, are the Knicks going to make a move? What's the move going to be? You know, are they going to decide to just stand pat and maybe go at it next year in the offseason and keep this chemistry intact? They chose that nothing was worth it to break up this team, don't want to overpay. They showed discipline and patience. I like the move. Your thoughts on the inactivity with the Knicks uh, trying to upgrade the this team this year? Well, sometimes inactivity is actually activity because you got Austin Rivers who got a chance to be released. Obviously, now he can he can pursue his, you know, rest of his career elsewhere. But I thought it was smart moves on Nick's front office because at the end of the day, this is going to be quality learning for the Knicks, for this young team. You're, you're going to get some quality minutes for R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Quigley. And you have some, you know, pieces with Derrick Rose, who's, you know, coming back off an of injury. Um, the Mitchell Robinson injury the other night, yeah, that that's going to set, you know, obviously set them back. But they had played the majority of the season without him. I think they'll be able to still continue down this road. But again, I believe it's strictly a season of getting back in that playoff picture and that feeling of the garden having playoff Knicks and then building on that and then I think that's where that's where it's going to go for us it it would have been exciting I get it from the fans perspective and I I feel the same way oh Fournier or or whatever you know Oladipo yeah it would have been exciting to add a player like that but there are times where as an organization they need to show patience and discipline and ultimately I think this was one now losing out on Andre Drummond that's a little bit different and you could understand why Drummond would choose the Lakers clearly the Knicks need another big man even with Mitchell Robinson it's a little bit nice to add Drummond to that mix but without Mitchell Robinson and Norrell's Noel has been terrific all the blocks last night against Miami or on Monday night I should say if you're not listening to this on Tuesday when it airs you know Norrell's Noel on Monday night with all the blocks against Miami he's been a tremendous backup Todd Gibson has given some strong minutes. But still, it would have been nice to have a player like Drummond, and that would have been an exciting move. But you understand why he chooses the Lakers. Ultimately, though, JYD, 
this is going to be a playoff team, whether it's the first six, whether it's the play-in in seven to 10, this is going to be a playoff team. And you're right. Maybe the most important thing is to have this young core, this young group learn and gain experience in what has been a tremendously fun season so far. Even though they lost out on Drummond, I look at that as potentially being a positive thing because, you know, he's going to be a free agent. And so he can come back and sign with the Knicks. They don't think about those kind of things. And hey, why would he do that? Well, Basically, Knicks go into the playoffs. Obviously, the team to beat in the East is going to be Brooklyn. New York versus New York. That's a big play. I think that they, they're going to show that they're, um, they're, they got the pieces for major free agencies. And there's a hole there that, you know, obviously Andre Drummond and 16 rebounds average over his career can definitely fill. So I do see it as a possibility. Obviously, he did go out there to try to win a championship with LeBron. Whether or not they're able to do that remains to be seen. That's going to be made uh, pay-per-view, uh, made CTV to see it. So I'm looking forward to this uh, summer. And prior to the loss to Miami on Monday, the Knicks had won three straight since we last recorded our podcast a week ago, taking care of the Wizards in games that, look, we talked about they had to win, and they did. Now, the first one was a blowout. The second one, they were getting blown out and then come back, had that great comeback. You just love to see it. The, the energy and effort to come all the way back. How many times have we seen a JYD where a team comes all the way back, they get within one or two but they can't get over that hump the Knicks came all the way back they got over the hump and beat a bad team with the Wizards that they should beat then they take care of a a depleted Milwaukee team on the road but even that I mean even though the Bucs are injured still going on the road and finishing that off I don't care how they do it without Randall as well you want to go get that win and they did so the Knicks have been playing again solid basketball as it just continues on even with the loss the tough loss to Miami on Monday Obviously, you take the tough loss, but what did we talk about early last week? We said if we can split Miami-Milwaukee game. We didn't know which win would come, but we just said if we can split those, we'll still be in a good position in the playoffs. And here we are right now sitting a half a game out of fourth place. Not fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, half game out of fourth place. So I'm looking at it as really as a leg up. And if they can continue to hit these three out of four weeks, it's going to be positive for the Knicks. Coming up, you have Minnesota on Wednesday. That's at Minnesota. Friday, they host the Mavericks, which, Producer Jake, what's the going rate for those tickets? Porzingis coming back. I'm assuming that that's going to be a pricey ticket versus the Mavs. You got a number on that somewhere? Yeah, I mean, it's it's in the 200, basically, to get in the building. I, I realize I have to wait two weeks after. You have to be fully vaccinated. It's in your system for two weeks. You know, that's when it fully kicks mm. into effect to get in the you building. You don't got the so. antibodies yet, Jake? No, I'm not like you, JYD, immune <laughs> to uh, COVID, I guess. But uh, I think the cheapest after fees right now on StubHub to go Friday, you know, in the 400 levels around 140, 150. I actually might be going with my dad next Friday. So I could give you a report to Nick's Grizzlies on April 9th. So if you're a big Apple Buckets listener, Ooh. get me uh, some cookies or chicken fingers. I'll be there. Yeah, Moran. I know. Give out, hey, give a shout out to Jake while you're there, man. Get him some. Get him Who's your boy the in the suite? The season ticket holder, JYD? What's his name? We got to give him a shout out. You're- yeah, Greg Heimowitz, Heimowitz. man. Yeah. Greg, where's Greg at? I better get my call this week. <laughs> And Shout out kidding. to Greg. I want some tickets. Interest capital in the house. We need dying to go to the garden. So at <laughs> Minnesota Wednesday, Friday at home against the Mavericks, then on the road in Detroit Saturday, and then Monday against Brooklyn. So another stretch where you're probably looking at two and two, and it's it's weird to predict these things each week based on okay, well they should do this, they should do that, but that's how it's been playing out with the Knicks. They're taking care of the teams for the most part that they should, and having some difficulty with teams that you would think would pose a challenge. And Miami has been a problem for them. Uh, Knicks get swept by the Heat. They're zero and three on the year against Miami, which just makes you sick. I- 
I mean, I still hate the Heat probably even more than I hate the Bulls, to be honest with you. And to see Pat Riley have all that success, you wonder what could have been had he never left. But JYD, that Heat team... I know that their record is not what it will be or what it should be. And right now, they're currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. They are going to climb up. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say that they're going to leapfrog the Knicks, but that's right. a good possibility they've added there. The problem that you have when when teams like Miami, and not every team could do this, but they turn it up defensively and they're actually a good defensive team, the Knicks have no chance because the Knicks have trouble scoring anyway, but they've really struggled with the good defensive teams like Miami. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's what Pat Riley builds his, you know, whole philosophy on is good defensive teams and up-tempo teams. So Miami's going to be where they're going to be. That's why it's pertinent that they continue as the Knicks continue to grind this, the rest of this season out and keep the pressure on staying above because you don't want teams like Miami getting momentum enough, you know, leapfrog, not only, you know, the rest of the bottom teams, but the Knicks as well. So they got it. They work cut out for them. Sal, they have 15 of their final 25 games are against teams in the top eight of the conference. So the Knicks will be playing a lot of playoff teams the rest of the way. And, and that's a problem because we've seen it. Now, look, I love this team and I love how hard they play night in, night out. And I'm fine with watching. You know, there's going to be growing pains. R.J. Barrett didn't have a great night against Miami. And that's fine. He's been terrific before that. He's not perfect. Not everybody's going to be great every single night. The Knicks just they don't have that room for error where if Randall isn't great, if Barrett isn't great, they're not rebounding well and allowing way too many second and third chances for a team like Miami who you could see the talent disparity. It's, it's not going to go well for them. So I'm a little worried about their place in the standings falling. I don't think they're going to fall out of the top 10. I think that they're a shoe-in for one of those spots. But you, you mentioned that schedule. It's going to be difficult. I mean, there are teams, again, you see it with Miami. There are teams that have not played well this year and the record may not be there, but they have more talent than the Knicks do. So it's not going to be easy here to stay in the top six and maintain a good spot in the postseason. Yeah, and you mentioned it. I mean, that third quarter against Miami, that that really hurt us. Because that's where they made their push. You know, the rest of the quarters, we either won or we were in striking distance. But you can't have those kind of quarters down the stretch here. Well, I mean, Miami just kicked their rent on the glasses, that on the on the boards, I should say. That's number one, the offensive rebounds. Number two, they have players that could shoot the lights out. And the Knicks just weren't doing that when Miami clamped down defensively. So that's the thing. But you look at the standings, the Knicks have a better record than Miami somehow at this point. Miami, Boston, Indiana, those are all teams. The Hawks have been good, too. But, but the teams with the pedigree, Boston, Miami, Indiana, that's where you start to get nervous if you're a Knicks fan who wants one of those top seeds in the Eastern Conference. If you're you know just satisfied with making the play-in, I think we should be safe there. I mean, if you had to predict right now, JYD, with that tough schedule, where do you think the Knicks are? Top six or you think that they're just going to be top ten? I'm putting them somewhere between six and eight. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You think six Boston? I, Miami's going to – I'm telling you now, Miami's Boston fine. and Miami who are only you – know, a game and a half. Miami's I mean, too good. And Boston, yeah. I guess, too. You're right. Indiana, maybe they're not that good. All right. Well, whatever. You'd take it. But bottom line is this. You want to see playoffs for this team. And I think that that is going to be the case. And, you know, we'll continue to take this season, at least for the podcast purposes, in four-game chunks. And the Knicks have been successful. You know, when you start looking at the way that they handle these weeks, they, all right, they have a bad loss against Miami. Watch them rebound here. You can't have bad losses. That's the thing, right? Now with that schedule, as producer Jake points out, they have no wiggle room. There's no margin for error to slip up against a bad Minnesota team that's a game they have to win because all of a sudden you lose that game at minnesota on wednesday mavericks a tough opponent coming in on friday now you could be talking about losing three straight and then even though they have detroit one of the worst teams in the league on saturday followed up with brooklyn on monday so they really do have to win the games 
that they should win, like the games against the Wizards or Minnesota or Detroit, which they've been doing to their credit. Facts. My only That's worry is, be done. JYD, a body. I mean, Jang went to San Antonio to replace Aldridge. You have to replace Mitchell Robinson here. He's probably out for the whole regular season. You can't have just Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel and Randall basically playing the five. I don't know where it comes from. The Kings might buy out Hassan Whiteside. He he would be an option, but there's it's so late in the game with guys off the board and the Robinson injury happened and Jang would have been the guy played under Thibodeau in Minnesota. You know, he's a rebounder, a defender. I'm a little worried that they just don't have that body in the paint, especially if they go up, if it ends up being against the Sixers. I have Embiid's healthy. I don't know if I trust New Orleans Noel and Taj Gibson uh, to cover him in the playoff. Jake, facts. That's facts <laughs> right there. But that's nothing. That's not our fault, right? That's the nature of the beast right there. We didn't, you know, I mean, I can't even... Well, they're not going to be able to get a difference maker. They tried for Drummond. There, there is no. You're, you're right about getting the body just to chew okay, up some what minutes. You're saying is what you're saying is Sal, get on the weights, Jy. Get yes, get, get back yeah, in. Yeah. I, you need you need me to go throw some things. Out I see there. you playing in a celebrity tournament. Make that the NBA instead. Come on. Hey, that was me and Meta World Peace, baby. We was out there getting busy. They, they, they. We was getting ready to go. You were getting ready to see sparks. Dust off that old 31. <laughs> yeah, dust off that old 31 and get out there. I'll tell you this, your energy and effort, I don't know if these young kids can match that, JY. <laughs> Especially for two straight minutes. <laughs> then I'm then I gotta get hooked up to the oxygen tank, Brian. They got to have me some oxygen. <laughs> where's where's you the know? bumble girl in the in the JYD jersey when you need yeah, it right, right. now? <laughs> where that where's she at? <laughs> we need an update on that. You know what else uh, the Knicks could use? Not only JYD's big body. How about Alan Houston? His shooting from the outside. Coming up next is Nick's great from the nineties and two thousands, Alan Houston, right hey, here hero. on Big Apple Buckets. We welcome in right now former New York Nick, two-time All-Star. Of course, maybe you remember him most for that great shot that he hit to eliminate the heat down in Miami in Game 5 of the 1999 playoffs. He is the current Vice President of Player Leadership with the Knicks, Allen Houston. Allen, thanks so much for your time joining us here on Big Apple Bucket. Man, I'm I'm happy to be here. Anytime I can share some conversation with my guy and G, what JYD, you know, go through some memories and just share some knowledge. I'm here, man. I'm blessed. And speaking of old times, I want to uh, jump right in and ask you, you know, back in 05, my favorite games when we beat Philadelphia in overtime in Philly. Do you remember those buckets you were given uh, in that particular night? You know, it's funny. I, I do remember. Here's what I do remember about, I think if I remember this correctly, we, we, it was an overtime win. And I had a nephew who was in Philly, and he was talking a little trash and all this to us, some of his people, right? And I remember we had a play, and we came down. I came off a ball, come off a pin down, and shot an air ball. And I remember, like, okay, I gotta regroup <laughs> and make up for that. And then we ran this out of bounds play, and I called the ball in the corner, and just had enough time to get it off to send it into overtime. And I was like, man, I, need, I needed that. I needed that. <laughs> then we ended up winning. But uh, playing in Philly, playing on the East Coast, you, you know this, they were playing in New York. You go to these towns like Philly, D.C., even Miami, and like you almost feel like there's so many New York fans, and it just it was just a it was just a great environment always. You can always find New York fans all over the place. But man, that was a good memory right there. Way to just bring us back. It was a corner <laughs> jumper. It was that they said in the overtime. That was 
Okay. Alan, how about you bring us back to maybe the most famous one? You mentioned Miami and Nick's coming off a tough loss to the Heat on Monday night, but I cannot, and, and I still, I mean, do you hate Miami as much as I still do? But I cannot watch the Knicks Heat without thinking of your shot, Alan, that got the Knicks past Miami in that famous game five, that first round series that you guys ended up going to the finals. I'm sure you've relived it a hundred times. I'm sure people still come up to you and tell you what they were doing. I personally stubbed my toe on the stoop running outside after you hit that shot. I'll never forget it and never forget your face. Take us through that and what is most likely the most famous play in your career. Well, what I remember most is honestly is very similar to what a lot of these teams in, in the league is going through now. We had a lockout year shortened season, very intense. We had to win six out of eight games just to make the playoffs. So we caught a rhythm and, you know, we, we were, we gained some momentum going into the playoffs. So we never felt like an HC. Spree came on that year, made some moves. So we, it was an adjustment year. But yeah, I mean, Miami it was always the team that we were just battled against. You know, we, we knew all their terminology and we were mirror images of each other, just different personnel. And we felt like we had a little bit of a mental edge in those series and just for whatever reason. And so that one, you know, came down to a, a position. Now, earlier in that season, I had a tip in like late and they didn't count it because they didn't have the replay like they had now. So we felt like, man, this was like, I don't really believe in that word karma. And, but, but this was like one of those things where, you know what, it just came back. We battled it out, last possession. Uh, we didn't have a timeout, and, you, you know, we knew to play. They knew to play. We run the same plays. I came off of a pin down off of Patrick, and Charlie hit me in the little the little pocket, and I actually thought, if you watch it, I thought it was going to bounce off the rim and I was going to tip it back in. You know, a little runner, the runner, running help, you know, got <laughs> God gave me a little, good little bounce, and then I was ready to run back to the locker room. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> was that maybe the biggest moment of your NBA career? I mean, you guys ended up going to the finals, but you mentioned it, that hated Heat team, all the battles that you guys had year in, year out. Your for Personally, for you, was that maybe the greatest moment of your NBA career? No, because when I signed with the Knicks, everybody kept talking about, you know, we couldn't get past Indiana and Chicago and that later on that season we beat Indiana in uh in game six to go to the finals and that was on a Friday and the reason I remember it so vividly is my my wife Tammy uh, was pregnant with our first daughter and we knew that if we won that game that we would probably have to induce because she I was like just don't have the baby in Madison Square Garden (laughs) so (laughs) that that night you know it was a Friday night we won game five to push it to game six. You got game six to close out the series at home. And you just felt the momentum. And I didn't really play well in the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, like, it just it just started flowing. And at that moment, you just felt like, man, it's like, you know, you feel like just kind of an out-of-body type thing. And, and I, in the back of my mind and sitting on top of me, I had this piece like that okay, it's going to work out because it has to, <laughs> you know, because my daughter's going to be born. And, you know, like it just, it was just a, it was a great feeling to win that game and go to the finals after everything we had been through. So I think that was probably more more fulfilling and gratifying than that shot because, look, you won the NBA finals and your daughter's going to be born the next day. You know, Al, you've always been my, uh, one of my favorite teammates for a lot of reasons, you know, from your faith to everything. But 
I, you know, the, the truth of the matter is because I, we come from the era of nicknames, it's really because of your, your nickname, brother. Like, you, you know, can you tell us how you got the H2O, you know, who gave that to you and, and, and how that even came about for the people so they can understand why you were in JYD's top five list of all time? <laughs> well, appreciate that. No, that was, it's a funny story behind that too. My cousin, so you mentioned, you know, the impact that, you know, I may have had on you and we've had on, you know, you've had on me too, just because of how we've handled things. And I had a cousin who was really mentored me and he was younger than me and he we were in the kitchen and he drew this image of H and then 20, right? And then he drew an image of a raindrop on the garden. And I'm like, whoa, it just blew my mind, right? And I'm like, wait a minute, this is this is deep because it's not H, it's H20, but it still looks like H2O. And then the symbolism of a water drop going onto a garden, but it was Madison Square Garden. So like that whole imagery just took to it, took it to another level. And I don't even really remember, remember like how it kind of went from that to like H2O. I think I might've put it on something, you know, and everybody was like, oh, oh. And then I asked Nike, can you, you know, put, H2O on a couple of the, you know, you could put it on your tongue or your shoe or whatever. And then it just became a thing. And then people just like, I don't know if some people put it together that was really (laughs) my last name initial with my number, or they just always thought it was H2O, but it didn't matter because it was just something that, you know, as I started to learn and grow, you know, grow kind of spiritually, I, I started to tell people like, the Bible talks about living water, like water that will that you'll never thirst from, right? And I started to kind of like put it in different categories. Preach. Like, it's funny, like people, yeah, man. So people Preach. would always like <laughs> talk to, you know, and still like I have young, I have a uh, matter of fact, it's funny, like when LeBron, uh, when I first played against LeBron his rookie year, I remember the first game and I think I was kind of on my way out. Like I had a few more, a couple more years left. And and I remember the first jump ball, he he kind of nudged me on the arm. He said H two O. So that was a, I was like, you know, and and you know that this is during that time when like okay, you know, this is a young kid is about to be special, but he was still a rookie. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? <laughs> but it was like, you know, like it, it was just a cool thing, man. It was a cool thing. Clearly, the pure jumper, man. The jumpers like water. It's it's it fits you to a T. Because I was like, man, this dude's jumper is so wet water man you need you know what he needs sal he needs we need to have a h2o water endorsement ah, I, like <laughs> I'm, I don't understand this we need to we need to become your age hey your lip right, you we need it. to get him like he got to be bigger than vitamin water for just his jumper alone <laughs> Yeah, that wet jumper. That, that's what I always thought it was because of the wet jumper. And you could sell that water at MSG. I mean, come on. It's I was saying fit. to Sal and JYD, I was saying your shot was so pure. Your stroke, Alan, was so pure. I remember trying to mimic it in rec basketball when I lived in Connecticut. Like, I attempted your pivot foot. I, I try to be Alan Houston as much as I can. That stroke, where did it come from? Because that's the gooseneck that they teach you as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my when I was younger, like I, I've always been have had more of a, a thinner build, right? So when I was younger, I hit a growth spurt when I was between eighth and ninth grade, grew to about six two. But I remember, like, you hear the stories of how Adele Curry deconstructed Steph's shot and brought brought his shot down, right? And for me, it was actually the other way around. So I had to shoot from my 
shoulder because I was wasn't strong. But what happened was I hit that growth spurt. I had to figure out how to use my my height to get the ball over people. But it was a transformation from shooting the ball over my shoulder down the way like Steph and Trey Trey Young shoot. So now my height gave me more of an advantage. So then I was like, it, it was really that transformation that really formulated, I think, what people, you know, really trying to emulate because it, it's a cadence, right? And I always teach it like the cadence from when you, like I elevated on my shot and a lot of people shoot more set shots. And it was because I had to figure out a way to get the ball over people because I was skinny and I wasn't like <laughs> banging around. So I had to like basically figure, how can I elevate and st- still keep the same like rhythm and cadence to my shot? So that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, it was beautiful to watch as a fan. I just remember when you first came to the Knicks, you know, I was in love with those 90s Knicks teams even before you got here, but seeing your talent when you first came, it was like, whoa, this is this is next-level stuff. And I'll tell you, Alan, this team has been terrific this year. It's been fun to see them, you know, rebuilt here in year one under Thibodeau, 24 and 23, fifth in the Eastern Conference. But they could use a shooter like yourself. That That's really one thing that's lacking, uh, maybe an outside shooter, especially in today's game. What do you see with this current Knicks team that's been off to such a good start this year well it comes back to what you saw and what jyd had a chance to experience you know is that when you have a certain mindset mentality that comes from your coach from your just from your preparation from your culture obviously you know tiz was was an assistant coach during those years when i was there and and i remember like when we were in summer league and i think it was after my second year and and everybody was teasing tiz like man Yo, if you coach summer league, they're going to be in here for three hours. Man, nobody want to play summer league for you, right? But it ended up being one of those things where you knew still that he was going to be a good coach. And it's like, you know, and as he's grown, I've just loved watching how the preparation, you know, Jeff was that way, Riles was that way. And you see, like, the coaching tree, and now he's become one of the most, the smartest. Like, he doesn't miss anything. And, and what, what I've been impressed with the most is, like, you know that they didn't have a lot of practice time, training camp time, right, coming in. So to be able to, to like, implement all the stuff, the, the how do you go from that moment to day one from practice to say, we got a lot of stuff we have to put in, a lot of strategy, terminology. How they've been able to do that without the practice time and, and really build in the details. To be number one in defense, like, the first coach, you know, new players, new stuff, that's tough, right? That, but it shows the commitment of Julius Randle coming in in great shape, the rookies coming in great shape, the depth from Reggie Bullock to, you know, the bench to Alex Burks, you know, RJ's development, Mitchell Robbins' development, you know, and you just, you know, you got Derrick Rose who's coming, who's come in. And even beginning when Austin Rivers was here, he gave us a great boost. So it really speaks to everybody was kind of tired of the narrative. Everybody was like, look, we got to turn this around and we got to take ownership. And we have to raise our level of expectation because not everybody's going to expect it. So we got to expect it from ourselves. And, you know, they really go into every game literally like saying we can win this game. It's not like, hey, man, we're playing this. You know, Milwaukee, that's rolling. No, we're expecting because we thumped Milwaukee early in the season, and that was a st- one of those statement games that gave us a boost. And so now it's like, you're right. We do need to shoot the ball better. We do need, you know, to, to improve. But you lay a foundation of work, preparation, and expectation, and then you just keep building. Well, one of the things I want to tell you, the, the foundation of our show, Big Apple Buckets, 
was all about our steak dinner. Okay, Al. I told the guys <laughs> that we needed to get the 30 wins and you know on day one. And I said, if we get the 30 wins, we go on the sizzlers. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna go on and give you my invite now. You can you're 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 invited <laughs> to join the crew when I take them to this steak dinner, okay? Okay. Um, now, is that in Vegas talk- or where is that? Oh, back? it's not actually. We're not actually doing Sizzler because they don't have one in New York. He, he's going to take us to like Morton's or a nice <laughs> okay. P- Peter okay. Luger's. Maybe it's going to be steak. Okay. I'm Peter not Luger's, telling them Peter where. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but first, but we need to talk about. You played with so many good power forwards. I mean, from Larry Johnson, Kurt Thomas, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who does Julius Randle remind you of on the current Nick team? Wow, that's a great – I think probably the most LJ, the most, because, you know, LJ, you got to remember, LJ was so good that when he came to New York, he actually had made an adjustment because of his back. So imagine how good, you know, he came – he he was before he came. So I think LJ commanded the double team in the post. And LJ, we tease each other, LJ was literally about 6'7". Right. Like, Facts, grandmama. Right, <laughs> six seven. So now he played like he was six ten. The long arm, post up, great footwork, underrated defender. Right, but was just unselfish. Made made great plays, great teammate. And it's JYD, I know nobody's ever asked me that question. I appreciate you asking me that because I. That's I'm why like, I'm here, man. But I did ask he. Um, he said, man, I'm looking forward to connecting with LJ um, because I just feel like they were, you know, in, in their games, probably the most uh, the most similarities. Yeah. Interesting. I never even thought of that comparison, but it's a great one. Both can hit the outside shot as well. They can play low underneath. And I'll tell you, you know, Alan, your former teammate JYD brought this up early in the year, and I didn't understand it as just a, a fan or a media member, not a player. But we were talking about the potential of the Knicks trading Julius Randle if he has a good year. But uh, JYD mentioned that he can change his style. He can change who he is as a player. And I didn't think it was possible, but that has happened. And, uh, you know, look, you're the vice president of player leadership here with this team. Not only has he changed his style of play and became an all-star, he's a leader of this team, a team which has a bunch of good character guys that play hard both ends of the floor. They might it may not be the most talented group, but they play hard, a, a team that this city can be proud of. Talk a little bit about that with Randall being a leader and other guys following, whether it's Barrett or Quickly, everybody else, given everything they have night in, night out. Well, you've heard me say this a lot we've talked about this leadership begins with your own in, internal spirit right you, you you have to have a a willingness and a selflessness first of all in in working and then figuring out what's needed like what's needed for the group and he's done that like there have been times where like like i remember the tonight i think two couple weeks ago dude had 18 assists are you are you serious? And he knew, like he knew, going into that game, he was going to have to, you know, get everybody involved. And and I think it's really like he's matured as a player, matured as a person, taking on the role, which which we know is people. Nobody can understand the role of being having that on your shoulders in New York, right? You know, on a winning team, and he's done that. He he's embraced it. Last year was tough because of a lot of different reasons, but he said, I got to come in this year and now I'm settled. And, you know, he understood one thing that's so, um, that I think the most important part of all of this 
And I have a personal philosophy that if your best player is the most coachable, then you have a chance to win. And he's that. He's coachable. You can get on him. He listens. He embraces it. And he's he was determined to play at an all-star level. Like from day one, he knew that, okay, I have a coach who's going to hold me accountable. I have a staff, Kenny Payne, who like his, his big brother. They go at it, but they get it done. And so now he's in a position where he has enough, again, internal spirit and comfort in himself to know when other people have to get involved when I have to do things on my own. And he just works. He's a worker, man. He go like they land. They when they go to a, another city, he, they're going to the gym. They're going to the gym that night before. Like we didn't do that a lot. I'm like, dang. Like they put the work in. And if you ask him, that's the first thing he's gonna say. I put I put the work in. You talk with some of the guys, Alan, in the front office. What was the approach kind of at the deadline here? They kind of stood pat. Do you think the Knicks team's looking at building with this young group and then maybe resetting and adding another maybe star in the off season? Well, I, listen, I, what I'm not going to – I can't do, I can't speak on behalf of Leon, Wes, Scott. That's not my my job to speak on what their – the plans and internal. But I can say that everybody is – feels good about what's happened so far. We're not satisfied with it, but feel good about it. I knew that coming in this year – we wanted we wanted to have a sniff at the playoffs. So now you sit here in the fifth spot. Nobody expected that. You got to keep pushing forward. We know we have to keep pushing forward. You know, I think we've won games that, you know how you say like, okay, take care of home court. Win the games that you feel like you should win. And other games, you, you're going to win some of those, you're going to lose some of those. I think we've done that. You know what I mean? And I think that that's where, so my thing is, let's give ourselves a really strong playoff experience see what that feels like you know it gets you motivated now you're like okay now you don't want to go back you get to that conference finals you get to that second whatever it is okay now now we're going to build and and i think that that's where tibbs has said and we've all said we want to develop young players but we got to help we got they have to experience winning you know what i mean we got to experience winning so you have a good mix of veteran players players who are still kind of in their prime alex burke you know coming in last night he had 20 points for the five straight games first time in his career you know guys are playing at a high level but when people are doing that you got to you have to you can't interrupt that you know what i mean and and so you you got to give yourself a chance to build on that and not do anything to to interrupt that. You know, the um the thing that comes to mind as I hear you talk and knowing sort of our path that we've had throughout the league and everything, especially post-career, is getting to the point where you went from, you know, all these different roles in the front office from assistant GM of the team, the general manager of the uh, Westchester Knicks and the G League um, to all these leadership positions. But now that being the VP of leadership, that's one of the uh, that's a unique position throughout the NBA. Do you see that more teams should possibly be doing this to having a former player who's had the experience that you've had, had the type of career that you've had, been a part of an organization as long as you've had, and now is obviously creating an impact with their players that's sort of like uh, under the radar. See, a lot of people don't know that these positions exist and could could potentially exist for former players, but you are, you know, obviously relishing this role 
and and uh, and the Knicks are showing prowess and and getting back to where they need to be. Well, you know, I, I looked at guys like what Zoe Lonzo doing, you know, and like obviously I've been very fortunate that the organization has trusted me for for so long. But I, I think what I try to share in this position is is this: what we're all trying to do, and not even in sports, but in life, we're all trying to increase our value. Right, we're trying to understand our value and increase our value. So, as a player, I say your value, first of all, is not just based on what you did last night. Right, your value is is so much more than you contributed to a ten zero run. Right, it, it's how are you how are you impacting the environment and the culture, and that's increasing your value because guess what, the trainer and trade deadline, free agency. Guess who they're talking to? They're talking to the people that were with you every single day. So it's not just about you saying, you know, I averaged more than I averaged this year. I started, so my money needs to go up. It's more than that. You know, teams want to know how are you going to help them impact winning? And it may not be getting starting. It may be, you know, Alex Burks coming in, comes off the bench, but he's not starting, but he, what he's finishing. So, like, we know that when your team wins, you you your your value goes up. So how the question is how you impact winning? The wages of wins, right? So so that's that's the um that's the so for me the answer is yes. I think that I, I wanted to have a, a a strategy make that tangible other than just you know what do your numbers look like? So we do talk a lot about leadership. We talk about principles, values. You know, we talk about a lot of these things that, that, you know, JYD, we talk about this a lot. Like so many people talk about having a value system, you know, developing character. But, you know, other than having a conversation, what's it really look like? What does that you know look I mean? like? And is, that's, it, is it true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and so it really comes down to let me recognize a lot of it is kind of self-awareness, you know, developing some self-awareness, like we said, with Jules and all these and. And with younger guys, it's different than it is with older guys, you know. So it's a, it's a matter, it's a, it's a process. And the blessing, like you said, of playing and being in there is, is I, I feel like I'm able to tie on-court uh, experiences and draw analogies to, to really what life really is going to look like. That's reality right there. Alan, one more from me. What is the difference here? You've been with this organization for a long time. You're a longtime Nick player, obviously in the front office in different roles over the years. And it's not like they brought in bad ba- uh, basketball people. They were smart people that just it didn't work out, whether it were bad moves or the players didn't adapt well. And then it became, well, no big stars want to come to the Knicks. And the Knicks were not what they once were. And they haven't been really over the last two decades or so for the majority of that. Is there a tangible difference in that building now? It can't just be Thibodeau. I mean, is it Leon Rose, the front office structure? It, give me, you're there. So I'm just curious what the tangible difference is that has turned this team around in essentially one year with the new regime. I'm, I'm going to give you two words that when they come together, this is the answer. Okay, you ready in two words. Everything matters. Everything matters. Everything. It's not one thing. It's not Tibbs. It's not Leon. It's not Wes. It's everything, right? If you want to go somewhere, you have to, you have to, your destination has to be set to a point where everything you do is pointing towards that destination. So it's not just one person. It's everything that everyone is doing. This conversation, it's the training staff, it's the coaching, it's the coaching staff. 
it's you know the communication, the practice time. It's in the building. The building responds to what's going on on the inside, right? The building buzzes because teams. The team shows an energy, shows a commitment, shows a, a winning a mindset. So it's everything that you do to create that mindset. And then, yeah, you go into the garden and the garden will be like, yo, you know, it's buzzing. People, people are ready to come back anyway. <laughs> it just so happened that there, it was very energetic when they came back to a team that was 500. You know what I mean? And, and so I, all I can tell you is, it's all the above. It's great to see, but it's when you see it, you know, from the outside, I'm not there in the building and, you you know, all these hires that they've made over the years, we don't need to rehash all the different names, but for one reason or another, it just continued to fail. And then all of a sudden the right coach is in place, I guess the right front office is in place. And yeah, I understand that everything does matter, but we don't see all those things. And then you have to get the right players to buy in Julius Randle or RJ Barrett. You have to draft the right players uh, as well, who have that mentality that can be on the same page. But I'll tell you, Alan, it's been fun. Uh, like you said, it's the fans are starved for it anyway, but to see a team that gives it, it's all night in night out, regardless of where they are in the standings or what the win loss record ends up at the end of the year, this has been a terrific year and a, fir- a great first step in rebuilding toward what used to be, you know, the greatness that this organization had in those, 90. Listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's a foundation, you know, and we know there's a long way to go. I mean, there's going to be, like, anytime you've won or done anything and has any type of level of success, you know there has been challenges, there's been pitfalls, there's been things you've had to overcome, adversity, discord. You know, all these things are going to continue to happen. It's just that we have to be in alignment and I think you know just one thing I kind of will say is a level there's a a level of trust that I think has developed like when you have a relationship right with someone you can be upfront honest direct be accountable because you know that person you trust them and one of the things that's hard to develop in this business especially now and especially in with New York is a level of trust between top to everybody like so it's it's that's the thing you have to really manage right and and the only way you can do that is be real and authentic and and be honest and and be upfront be transparent to a, to a certain degree you know we just saw three coaches get interviewed one got a job that's going to keep happening <laughs> so what, what what the narrative was hey man jim dolan was really was allowed coach woodson to have this opportunity Right. So the things that we have to do is continue to develop a level of trust. You know, everybody wins, everybody eats and everybody, you know, develops. Well, we got to close it out on this because you and JYD retired uh, or if your last season was together. You might actually owe JYD the stake we were talking about because apparently they didn't use the amnesty on you and they released JYD. So it might be even the steak dinner. I don't, I don't know, JYD, uh, in that final season. We, oh, that, that, steak, that steak sounds good, but we got to remember this too. <laughs> we didn't get – neither one of us got released. See, we got, we got a gift as well as front office coaching job front office job or msg job that's not that's not being amnesty to release see dolan did it different he said here's two opportunities on top of opportunity so here you go yeah right yeah and and, and jy i'm glad we let's have, talk we them can facts. end on that 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad we can end on that because, you know, people talk about, Alan, you know, you here because blah, 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 JY, like, you got to understand something. When you're an owner, you don't have to take that approach. You see what I'm saying? Like, nobody's ever questioned the Knicks being willing to pay and to invest in winning. And at the end of the day, like, what else really matters in that other than treating people a certain with, with respect, dignity, and fairness, which that happens as well. So what are we really talking about? You see what I'm saying? You know, like, we, we, we all want to win. So I was glad that, you know, you were able to bring that out, you know, because it, it, needs, to be, it needs to be stated and said. Well, I, I got to say, I had two childhood heroes in sports, and they were Mike Piazza and Alan Houston. So it is a pleasure, Alan, uh, for you to come on with Sal, JYD, and I on Big Apple Buckets. And uh, hopefully we can have you on in playoff time because I think all of us can agree. Yeah. We are pumped to be at the freaking Garden. I just got vaccinated. I'm coming to the Garden in April, it's baby. <laughs> I'm coming to the Garden, and we're going to rock yes, the sir. house come Memorial Day weekend at Madison Square Garden. Yes, sir. Up, Talk man. them facts, yes, Jake. Sir. Let's go. <laughs> They're speaking. We're speaking that. Well, I appreciate you, fellas. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Alan. H two O. Yes, sir. <laughs>